0: Why does somebody work? Why are they working for you? Why are they working in those projects and tasks? What is the value reward language? And so when we take people through really simple exercises and then put it together so that you're taking a look at people purpose over workflow, it becomes a match.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a network-wise podcast and I'm your host Adam Connors. Networkwise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development and career opportunities. In conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. My next guest understands what it takes to build a company worth millions of dollars. She knows the value of relationships needed to get there, as well as the sacrifices that need to be made in order to get there. Her gift, among many, is being able to see people and companies for what they truly are, enabling them to take the leap to that next level. Amelia Antonetti is a human behavior and strategic advisor but her title comes nowhere close to summing up who she is or what she's capable of and honestly nothing i can say can really sum up her rock star status but for starters she's the woman behind the listerine strips that dissolve in your mouth however as good as amelia may be at improving your breath she's exponentially better at improving your mindset so without further ado Let's get to my incredible and engaging conversation with my good friend, Amelia Antonetti. Enjoy. Uh, Amelia, this has been a long time in the making. I really am excited to, uh, it's just good just to catch up to you like always, but uh, also just to be able to share your story, who you are, and not that uh, most people do already know you, but hopefully we can show them another side of you and Uh, Those who aren't familiar with you, I'm excited to be the person that's introducing you to them. So how are you today?
0: I'm so excited. I have been looking forward to this. I cannot tell you. This is my happy moment on my calendar. I'm like, yay, Adam, yay! So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm so in. I'm so in.
1: (laughs) You're making me blush. (laughs) Uh, Hey, so for those who don't know you, and I don't even know how, I'll be so impressed if you're able to sum up kind of who you are and what you do. In, uh, in some level of brevity, but uh, let's give it a shot. I wanna, I wanna see how you describe who you are and what it is that you do.
0: Oh, that's great, right? So um, I've come in all forms over the decades, um, but people like to say that I'm in crisis management and business scale. Um, I like to tell people that really what I am is a reflection. I really just show people who they are, who they're showing up, what their business is and how their business shows up. And then we make the adjustments. So we align their vision to what really is the actually going on.
1: Wow. That's impressive. That's a, man, you got to help me because with all the different things that you do to be able to boil it down like that, that's really impressive. Is is that something that you help people do also?
0: Well, yeah, I, I think so. I think because, you know, you know, when you're talking about our space, right, we're talking about uh, overachievers. We're talking about executives. We're talking about CEOs. We're talking about mad inventors. We don't realize that we're the odd man out. We're not the normal, right? We're the odd. And for those people, we have such great aspirations in our mind and we can see it in living pictures, but we don't have a very good awareness of how it shows up to other people, how it shows up each day, because we live so much in our brain. And so I tighten the gap because most of us have very, very good intentions, but how it shows up in the world is in misalignment of what we attend. And you can't build a business if you don't understand how it impacts each of the individuals that make up your company. So it doesn't matter if you're a company of two or a company of 200,000, how you feel to them and how they interpret you directly impacts what you're trying to accomplish.
1: So Are you saying that most people aren't necessarily self-aware? So is that something that you're working on with them?
0: Oh, 100%. Visionaries are not self-aware. I mean, (laughs) look at the greatest minds of all times, right? I mean, look at um, Elon Musk, Christopher Walken, the mad inventors. People go, okay, could be brilliant, could be crazy. (laughs) Not really sure, right? And so walk that line. We do the impossible And we make it possible for other people to follow us.
1: How do you do that? Are there any steps that you're able to share with us? I know it's obviously a long process, but maybe high level. Could you talk to us about how you go about whether it's an assessment, then kind of earning trust with them to kind of allow you to take them on this journey?
0: Well, I think the first thing that I think the listeners really have to be able to palette me, okay, is I'm a human behaviorist. I've been studying human behavior for 35 years. I have every traditional certification all the way through every whack-a-doodle certification you can possibly think of. And the reason for my obsession with behavior was that when I started out in business and wanted to attract these incredible people to work with me to build an impossibility, I didn't have a lot of money to go hiring them. I didn't have all the wows to offer them. So I had to say to myself, all right, how am I gonna get this amazing talent to buy into what I'm building and creating when nobody knows who I am? I for sure can't tantalize them with a big hefty paycheck. So how am I gonna do it? And Mm -hmm. so I needed to reverse engineer why people do what they do and which of those behaviors are intended, and which of them are unintended, and for the ones that are unintended, why are they missing the mark? And the more I understood people and was able to create these incredible communities within my businesses, I simply just took those tools and applied it to other people's businesses.
1: Wow. How do you do that?
0: Well, I think, you know, it's a two-pronged approach. I mean, I would say, first and foremost, the antiquated philosophies of stockholder focus pushed down to ground level, Mm. uh, it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work, it creates chaos, it creates crisis. It just, it doesn't work, you know? And the more talented an individual is, the less likely they're gonna have you shove work onto them, Mm. right? And so when you reverse that, and you say, okay, let's take a look at stakeholders. Stakeholders are your employees and your team. Stakeholders are your customers. Stakeholders are the communities that you impact. Stakeholders are every vibration that's incorporated in the vision that you're trying to create. So when you take a look at stakeholder focus, well, now we can have a meaningful conversation because you can take a look at where you are and where you ultimately want to go why you want to do it? So that's a lot of the beautiful work that Simon Sinek has done, right? The mm-hmm. power of yeah. why? And apply that to human behavior. Why does somebody work? Why are they working for you? Why are they working in those projects and tasks? What is the value, reward language? And so when we take people through really simple exercises and then put it together so that you're taking a look at people purpose over workflow, it becomes a match.
1: So is the purpose that you're really trying to tap into? Is that?
0: The purpose is the only thing that matters. Because if I'm just knocking out tasks on the list, I'm doing it with no care because there's no meaning. But if I understand how each action impacts who I am and how I show up, but it also impacts my teammates, it impacts my family, it impacts my children, it impacts the CEO of the company and his vision and everybody involved, if I understand why I'm here, why I was asked to do the task and its impact, now you've actually connected those dots for an individual.
1: So are you working mainly just with C-suite or are you getting hired into organizations to kind of run this through, at least at the executive level?
0: So originally, I mean, when I started, I was doing all of this for myself. So when I started my companies and I first came on the scene, there were not many women, you know, CEO of a hundred million dollar company. So I was odd from the start. And then I was asked if I could do it for somebody else. And I was like, well, I don't know. Nobody's asked me that question before. And so I literally just... For the sake of just giving, I was like, well, let me try if it works here. And that was in sports. And then I was asked to see if I would try it in music. Then I worked with some artists, and then I was asked to do it in entertainment. And so then I worked over there, and then I was asked to do it in distressed companies. And then I was asked to do it in what they call unicorn companies. And so I've been around for a long time behind the scenes. It's just in the last, I would say five years, that entrepreneurial-driven companies, right, so remember, 80% of jobs are created by small companies, small businesses, entrepreneurs, started to tap into the work that we were doing, and we started doing it on a much smaller scale, but with way bigger impact, in my personal opinion, really changing the relationship between people and the companies that they work for.
1: I think it would help for everybody to understand the power of you is to take us back. If you don't mind, share your story to how you kind of got to where you are today.
0: Which is interesting, right? Sometimes I ask myself that same question. I go, how (laughs) in the world did I get here? (laughs) And I think that it's, I've really been spending a lifetime being very self-aware of what is happening right now around me. And I will say a good portion of that has to do with my childhood, right? It was part of a survival skill for me to be very aware of what was happening just around my every moment to moment. And that skill translated quickly into the business space. And so by being aware of what was happening, And especially when you're in your youth, you have the ability to step into an opportunity and not really know how in the world you got into it. I've just now honed that craft. But for example, when I was in high school, I started my first business. So I started my first business when I was 17 and I sold the company before I was 19. And so when you're young like that, you're really not sure what the heck you're doing that equals success. You're you're just not really sure. But I started to take a look at my own habits, ability, or what makes me genius, and really focused on how do I make them scale. So an example of that is I was asked to co-speak in Asia on a panel. And so I was like, sure, why not, right? I was like, here we go. So now I'm in a doctor and research conference in Asia, and no sooner do I get to the conference I realize I don't belong here. Like I have no clue in the world, A, why they asked me to come or B what value I'm really getting. I'm not a doctor and I'm definitely not a researcher, but that was the 30 minutes that I was hired to do. So instead of just taking that and saying, okay, well, I'm here, and this is wasteful and let me just bebop around and kind of see the city. I decided to take a look at all the learning programs to understand what these industries of medicine, research, what was going on and started just trying to learn. Be curious, right? One of the great skills of an entrepreneur and a business leader is to always remain curious. And so I was curious and I started checking out some of the panels. And in so doing, there was a really very interesting researcher that was at front stage that was talking about one of the innovations that him and his company had done for the elderly community And it was to solve a problem that the elderly were having difficulties swallowing pills. And so instead of making the elderly swallow pills, they had found a way to take a little piece of plastic that melted on their tongue to absorb the medicine into their mouth, one of the biggest areas on our body to be able to use as like a sublingual. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, that is so cool. But my brain, because I'm in mass consumer goods, my brain said, we should be using that in the OTC, over-the-counter type of space, or in health and beauty space. And so when I went to go talk to them after his panel, after his speech, and I was like, you know, what would it cost to get the license for this in North America in the health and beauty or the -the over-the-counter space? And they busted up laughing. They were like, are you kidding me? First of all, who are you? And second of all, you don't understand the innovation here. This is to, for a highly deeply grade medical device to take medications and absorb it into the body. And I was like, well, no disrespect. It's not that I don't understand the invention. I got your invention. But what I'm asking is, can I use it instead of a delivery system of medicine Can I use it as a delivery medicine for fresh breath? Because for me, that's the mass problem that I saw that the problem solved, which makes me odd and weird and quirky and all those things. But at the same time, I knew in the North American market that it would follow a similar pace, just like the invention of the toothpick, right? And so that's what I did. So I literally made a phone call. I called my lawyer, who's actually a really good friend of mine. And I said, listen, I need to borrow money. I'm trying to buy a license for North, And then, you know, and I'm sure that they were like, she is out of her mind. But that uh, IP ended up coming back We sold it. It then ended up being sold again from Dr. Fresh through to Listerine. And so it's the Listerine strip. But for me, why I share that story is because I'm always working on the skill sets to remain curious, remain open, remain uncomfortable, to remain never judging a situation for its face value of I don't belong here, to look at it to say, well, maybe I do belong here. Maybe there's something here that I will see or that I will be exposed to that normally wouldn't happen in the course of my day that is extremely valuable to enhance my skill set or leapfrog forward. And that's exactly what it was. But for every business opportunity, the big opportunities that have come my way, I was the odd duck. I didn't really belong there. And it was my lens in which I see the world that created the value.
1: I absolutely love that story. I love, love, love that story. And for the record, I really appreciate you sharing that with everybody. So for everybody else, the first time I heard that story, we were sitting in a room, there was, I think, I don't know, 10 of us, and you (laughs) were sharing that same story. And when you were done, everybody in that room (laughs) had a thing of Listerine strips, and there were two gentlemen in particular that had like multiple, I mean, they had them in their pockets and in their jackets and everywhere. And that story is forever embedded in my head. So you mentioned Again, being the odd person out, is that growing up one? Because you were one of uh, how many kids And, and you were the only girl, right?
0: Right. But I think that's for all of us. I mean, even for like you growing up, you were odd. You were gifted with a talent, right? Like your eye hand coordination is unreal, right? And it made you a phenomenal athlete. But you also have the ability to retain information, perfect it in real time, and force your body and mind to scale. You see it in, as a success in your brain, and then your body has the ability to manifest its vision, right? Just like many phenomenal athletes, right? Is That's their gift. And so people who rise to the top, just like cream and coffee, something about us tick a different way. And in the journey of becoming who we are and being very comfortable with who we are, we have to travel a very long time of being un- comfortable and learning the skill to become comfortable in those uncomfortable situations. So we're uncomfortable because we're taller or bigger than our classmates, or we're smarter at being able to do math than our classmates, or we reinvent or learn differently. But there's something about us that is odd while we're young, but brilliant as we become older.
1: Hmm. So, are you helping these individuals to identify that or to get them unstuck or to just highlight this? What is your superpower?
0: Right. So, there's a couple of things with my superpower. One is the reason why businesses flatline is because the leader, whether it's the entrepreneur or the CEO, taps out on its skills. So, whatever takes you on the first phase of success so just to make it easy let's just say from zero to a million right so what takes you to the journey from zero to a million will flatline you from one million to three you'll never see three to five because the only way to get over the hump to the next level is to reinvent the skill sets that you do have for the next level release skills that no longer will work on this next phase And acquire new skills for the next leg of the journey. That's difficult. And that's like trying to do your own brain surgery. And so it's why leaders, CEOs, executives call upon strategic advisors or somebody like me to help them see what is working, what they think is working but really isn't, and align it to what they're trying to accomplish, the desired outcome, and close the gap.
1: Hmm. Do you help them identify the desired outcome or they already have that outcome and you're there to get them there?
0: So a couple of things happen. So one people say, okay, I want to create a billion dollar brand. And I go, okay. So what I hear you saying is you want to create a billion dollar brand and you're willing to pay the price of, you're probably not going to have the best marriage in the world. You're most likely not going to be plugged in with your kids. You're definitely not going to be the little league coach. Right. And on and on and on to be able to say you're going to exchange one value system mm-hmm. for another value system. And so I'm not saying you can't have it. I'm asking you, do you want it now?
1: That's powerful. And, and how often, you know, when you really kind of put like you said, put the mirror up against them, how often do they are they still sticking with it <laughs> versus, you know, reassessing?
0: Rarely. Rarely do they stick with what they just said out loud. When you break it down into pieces, what people start to realize is what their value system really is, what the impact that they're trying to make. Because a billion dollars isn't going to give you the impact you actually are trying to make. When you understand the impact you're trying to make, the byproduct of that may be a billion dollars. But if you're targeting a billion dollars, the chances are you're not going to hit it.
1: Because the goal is strictly a dollar figure as opposed to being aligned with a greater purpose.
0: Right. So if you look at the universal reset, we're coming in off of right now, Mm, what we're learning is that things don't equal health, happiness, success. It doesn't work that way. The universe is always going to be bigger than us. So if your intention or your desired outcome is not aligned with the universe, the universe is going to continue to reset you, which means you're going to fail.
1: Have you ever experienced anything difficult like that? That, that where you had to be reset
0: my entire life has been <laughs> this continual step up knock down step up knock down because i tend to be hard-headed and so you start to get enough years within you under your belt that you can see your own pattern and so now i just have learned to ask harder questions of myself and stay in stillness until I get the answer and not the story I would like to believe. And so we feed ourselves a lot of stories that just feel good because we really don't want to look at the truth. And so I've had to make harmony or peace with some of the decisions that I made by understanding that I traded, right? So I've done several hundred million dollar companies and on paper, if you look at it really quick, you're gonna go, wow, that was successful. Until I fill in the blank for you to say, well, I traded making and building that $100 million company in exchange for my marriage. I tanked my marriage and
1: grew my company. That's powerful.
0: But it's honest. If I would have slowed the pace and would have been more present in the scale of that growth, I would have been able to maintain probably some of the other relationships in my life. But I didn't. I subconsciously traded the relationship with my oldest child and my marriage in exchange for what I believed to be success. So until I redefined what success meant to me in my own language and my own desired outcomes, my business didn't change. I kept building the same businesses over and over and over again, scaling, and then go, why am I so unhappy? Well, because there was nobody around me. I was all by myself up there.
1: Wow. So does that having had gone or having been through so many of those experiences, has that helped you to relate and empathize with some of your clients or even potential clients as you're speaking with them?
0: Yeah. I think one of my best knowledge nuggets that I give and share with people of great success is you cannot see in others what does not live within you. If somebody sees something in me that they like, it's because that seed lives in you. But if you see something in me that you don't like, it's because that seed also lives in you.
1: That's interesting. So I had a uh, friend of mine, and I don't know if this is similar or different or along the same lines, but what he would do in his interviewing process, he would ask somebody to explain. He would just ask random people, just hey, you know, flip through your phone. And can you just explain who these people are? And he was looking for the wording on how they described those in their networks. Were they using positive words? Were they, again, looking through because that's the lens in which this person viewed things. Does that make sense? Am I, am I along the same lines?
0: Yeah, because that's the whole blessing and curse of relationships, right? It's not about just understanding what you see and how you see the world. It's, The skill set of learning how somebody else sees the world. I think that that's where the real understanding of what is networking really. The networking isn't for you to keep pushing your ideas and your points of view on me. That's not networking. Networking is not understanding your point of view, but also understanding my point of view and how to build the relationship between those points of view for a common outcome.
1: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of relationships, I mean, you've got some fantastic relationships. What have you done to build the relationships and how have you been able to maintain them throughout the years? You're really good. I mean, you're one of the the better people at doing this, just just, even in our exchange over the past decade.
0: Well, Well, first of all, I will say, hands down, the older I get, And the more years I have in business, in the business landscape, the more I understand how absolutely invaluable relationships are. That you think you know that when you start out, and you even think you understand that a decade into your career. But I'll tell you, 30 years into my career, I know it now that it is guaranteed the secret sauce on the ability I have to scale. Your relationships dictate how high you can climb.
1: And I can agree. <laughs> I concur. It's the, the premise of my business. business.
0: But you don't know it at the time, right? I try to say when I, because you know, I like to give people stories and analogies, right? You know, when you watch these hero movies where at the beginning of the movie, you meet, a homeless person or you meet the underdog and then at the end of the movie that underdog becomes the president of whatever. That's how life is. As you meet somebody, you don't meet somebody at the top of their game. You meet somebody in their climb. And so if you can help the climb become easier or the climb move towards their goal, what's important to them, then you become memorable. Yeah. But you have to come of service, right? And so I think because from such a young age, I started to realize how much people were heroes in my life. Everyday people who extended courtesies to my brothers and I, while we were very young, for very fundamental things, food, shelter, um, to just to hear us, to, to contribute in our life, people, everyday people became my heroes. And I wanted to be that hero to somebody else. So I started paying attention on small acts of kindness that I could do every day, so that no matter who came into my journey if it was for a moment or for a long period of time i would be memorable and so i do that when i wake up in the morning i say to myself what is something that i can do to impact for good every single person that comes across me whether i get a grabbing my coffee in the morning whether it's my neighbor whether i'm driving but everything what can i do so that i'm memorable to that person and then when i put my head in the pillow at night i go did i do my very best to impact people for good in the trajectory of my day. And those two simple things, because by nature you remember what you first think about and what you last think about, it's helped me to stay the course to be the person in my highest and best self, the person that I strive to be and not just the person that I am.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're gonna ever have to worry about not being memorable. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll tell you, you and I, we'd only known each other maybe, I don't know, six months, or I know it was less than a year. And we were at one of these private equity functions in down at the W in Miami. And we, we were at the pool and we were in a cabana and we were talking to some people. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I forgot exactly. I, I said something and you like corrected me. You're like, you know, that's just not appropriate. I forgot. It wasn't inappropriate, but you really just like, we didn't really know each other that well. But you quickly pointed out that I was just, I said something that just wasn't right. And your intention was good and you were right. So at that point, not that I didn't know or like you or respect you before, but at that point, I'm like, you know, she's solid because you were really looking out for my best interest. You're kind of keeping me alive. And I, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. I don't, it doesn't really matter. But the point was that, yeah, that night you could have at least gone to bed knowing that you, you did right by people. It didn't
0: impact, It didn't impact. Well, you know, and I think that's the equality of its respect, right? When you're in a room of like-minded people, the value is not in just staying quiet, right? The value is to share a knowledge nugget to say, hey, listen, I hear what you just said. I get what you just said. It landed, but it was limited thinking and to share a different perspective. But if people don't share perspectives, then nobody grows. And I find that these conversations – don't happen between gender, race, religion, because nobody has the chutzpah to say, well, what do you mean by that? Explain to me, how did you come to that conclusion that the reason this action that we both just witnessed why do you think that that was racist or why did you think that was sexist if we don't have the conversation neither one of us walk away with any knowledge and if we're not going to learn from each other well what's the point
1: Mm. that's a a great point so what are other things that you've done throughout the years to again because some of the relationships that you have well these are the people that are running the hundred million dollar companies these are the people that are the athletes these are the people that are on tv What are you doing to maintain those relationships where maybe there's a go between where you don't necessarily have the direct access to them or, or maybe you do, but uh, how how do you stay on their radars? How do you stay front and center? What is it? um, Obviously you are memorable, but are there any other things that you do or there are things that you could suggest that those that are listening could do that have been successful for you?
0: So I think that the more that you understand what makes you genius then you understand how that becomes valuable to somebody else. So just to use your analogy about me, so my kids call me Captain Obvious. They literally go, okay, Captain Obvious, because I point out sometimes some of the most obvious things that people skip over, but are really impactful learning lessons. And so in the relationships that I've had that have spanned 10, 20, 30 years, The reason why the relationship is valuable is because they know, without question, I'm going to share with them with no bias. So if I think what you're saying is a lie to you to make you feel more comfortable, I'm going to point that out. And if I think you're lying to me to try to make me feel more comfortable because you want to think I need to be rescued for some reason, I'm going to point that out. But I'm also going to point out information on how they're seeing what is an option or not an option and paint that wider than just their lens. And so the reason why people keep me in their network is to point out the opportunities that they're missing, to point out the impact that they're making that they may or may not see. That's part of my gift. So I understand why I'm there. Most people are having relationships by default. They're not really sure what value they are adding. They try, but they don't really know. And they don't ask the question from the other person. Why are we friends? What are you gaining from me so that I can understand that responsibility and I can give you more of it? Because what I think is valuable and what you think is valuable, your side matters more.
1: That's awesome. That's really interesting, too. It kind of goes back to that awareness that self-awareness that you're talking about earlier
0: right. and that's one of the first exercises i do with a client and i do with a company and so we call it a letter to my friends so we ask to just pretend i was doing it with you i would say mm-hmm. okay tell me 10 things that you think is the reason why your friends are friends with you and you will say oh because i always have a positive attitude and I think it's because um, I give unselfishly and I make connections. Like you would give me 10 reasons. And then we ask the people that are within three steps of you that, Hey, I'm doing this exercise. This crazy woman's making me do it. Here's what I want to know. Why are you friends with me? And we give them all kinds of different communication starters. And then we take a look. And what we find in most cases is what you think people are friends with you for is nowhere near while they're friends with you. But hmm. take a look at the assessment of all the people that weighed in. There are always three common denominators, three things that match across your personal relationships and professional relationships and just acquaintance relationships that match why people are friends with you. Well, the minute you have that knowledge, don't you think you spend more time more efficiently doing those three things and stop doing the stuff that doesn't land anywhere?
1: Yeah. That is powerful. Any, uh, examples that you could share of people that you've worked with again, that were just so unaware and then you worked with them and their awareness kind of, Oh my God,
0: I can give you one for myself, right? So I mean, because people are just listening to me. If I would say to you, do I feel more warm, fuzzy and squishy or do I sound more tactical and matter of fact, 90% 90% of your listeners are going to say she sounds more tactical, a matter of fact. Although I spent half of my life with people telling me, well, Amelia, if you would just be a little bit more softer, if you would be a little bit more approachable, if you would somehow morph who you are into some other form or fashion, the world would like you better. And what I realized is it's not authentic. So, yes, I can try to morph myself to be more palatable for you, but at the end of the day, when I'm in my brilliance, I'm going to be more tactical and more about a factor, factual, right? Because it's just yep. kind of how I vibrate. And so until I started or somebody started to point out to me that when I attempt to be more soft and squishy, and when I try to be on stage and I try to be funny and warm and all those things, I feel miserably at that, miserably at it. But when you are looking for strong actions, what to do next, solid content, how do I get from A, B, it's now I'm your girl. And so understanding what your lane is authentically, that the people in my life were not coming to me because I was going to do kumbaya and give them a big hug and be their cheerleader. That's not why people were friends with me. That's not why people were networking with me. And so I stopped trying to be something I was never going to be good at. I started to be very, very good at action, solution, proactive, forward movement, because that's who I am.
1: Who holds you accountable? Like, how do you kind of, I know you're very reflective now and you get into these meditative states, but is there, is there anyone that holds you accountable? Uh, oh, yeah. Or is
0: there... <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I believe in mentorship with every fiber of my being. And I believe in mentorship in the categories that you're focusing on, right? So as you go, okay, I'm in the phase of my life right now where you know I'm trying to be the best woman I can be because that's the packaging that I came in, right? So being a strong woman to me is important. It's part of my identity. But it's also important to me where I'm at right now about my legacy, what I'm trying to leave behind. Right. So I'm no longer in a different phase where I was really building. I'm now really looking at what am I going to leave when I'm no longer here? And then the other part of it is really being able to have the impact that I intended. Right. So again, you can't do your own brain surgery. And so I align my mentors based on the categories. And it's the mentor that I would trade shoes with, right? The one who's doing that thing that I'm trying to achieve really, really, really well. And so, for example, in my business right now, I was a little bit of a stalker maybe, but I, um, Michael Gorton, who was the founder of Teladoc, who when he decided to create the new lens of telemedicine, they basically were like, listen, dude, it can't be done. It'll never be done. And if you do it, you'll probably be arrested. And I read that story and I was like, that's my guy. Like that's the guy that I want mentoring me because what we're trying to do right now for business is very much turning it on its head, and I wanted to be mentored by somebody who already successfully achieved that type of journey. And boy, does he hold me accountable! Like he is like really pay attention. I'm like, yes, sir. I'm paying attention. I'm taking note, right? And so, if you need that, you, every person. If you're trying to do great things, then you need somebody who's just a few steps in front of you to share the lesson back so that you, A, not only achieve it, but get the steps along the way, that you understand what you're doing and how you're doing and what where there had to be a pivot, what you need to develop inside yourself in order to achieve the skill sets. Those things just don't happen. I always remind some people that true learning is painful. So if you're not uncomfortable in pain, you're not learning. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go through this push kind of pull where you make yourself uncomfortable, you push your boundaries, you learn, you're painful, you're uncomfortable, there's resistance, then you learn it, then you have to recover. You have to recover, give yourself time to recover. Then it flatlines a little bit. And then you take a next step and you get uncomfortable and you do it again. No different than... An athlete would be one he's training, right? He pushes himself to the point of absolute pain and discomfort, but then he nurtures his body and mind to recover so he can do it again. A business owner is doing the same thing.
1: Do you have just one or do you have a theory on like a personal board of directors? So, you know, one from a business standpoint, maybe one from a training standpoint. Like I remember you were training at one point to, I think you climbed Kilimanjaro or- yeah, what, what did, you did. It was yeah. cool. Yeah. I so.
0: Yes, I have different mentors who are helping me on different things. So Lynn Tilton, who's the CEO of Patriot Partners, which she has an empire, things that she's been able to accomplish. Jillian Manis, who's the CEO of Structure Capital, which is one of the big impact in the capital markets. I mean, I look to them to help me not just be a good leader and a good builder of a company's community, but also to do it as a female. It's not better or worse. It's different. And so having strong female role models who can give me the good, the bad, and the ugly about the steps that I want to take and how that's going to impact me as a female, how that impacts me as a mother, how that impacts me with my other female colleagues or just friends. Like, it's just conversations that need to happen. Men need the same thing. Men need to speak with other men about the decisions they're making and how it pushes on different boundaries of their malehood. It's not about being sexist. It's just the package you come from. It's simple. It's like, okay, if I'm using the restroom, I've got to learn how to sit down. Well, if you're using the restroom, you have to learn how to sit up.
1: (laughs) Yep, that's so true. Are you familiar with what a mastermind group is? And if so, do you, um, you know, what are your thoughts on masterminds?
0: Again, another one of those words that have been bastardized over the last five years, because everybody thinks, and most of the people never read the book by Napoleon Hill of what the mastermind is really about, because a mastermind is only as good as the individual minds that are making up the mastermind, right? So having people who are exactly at or around your level or at your same discipline around the table yeah, that's kind of useless. That's like asking your mother if you are good looking.
1: <laughs> so true. Yeah. I'm a huge uh, mastermind fan. Big, big fan. Yeah. Of, uh... And
0: I am too. I think that entrepreneurs and business owners, especially the more successful you are, we get island thinking, thats solo right. thinking where we believe we should have the answers. And so the power of the collective is about getting people that are unlike you, that have different skill sets that have mastered and successfully achieved levels beyond where you are around a table to talk about where are we in actuality? Mm -hmm. What are we trying to do? How far is the distance? What are the different contributing factors in order to create a blueprint of measurable actions and tasks to get to that goal? But it isn't something that can be done without proper facilitation without the right diversified factors in the room, right? Most people invite people just like themselves around a room and then they wonder why the mastermind doesn't work because you had the wrong ingredients.
1: Yeah, that's so true. One of the other ways that they go wrong too is they don't keep up the cadence and if you're not challenging the other members, that's where I've seen them not.
0: Yeah, I prefer out. a forum group for the month over month accountability and i like the mastermind correctly constructive as you move into whatever is your q4 right to be able to reflect and say what worked what didn't work why didn't work how could we have shown up differently all those kinds of things and so i think it's about using the right tools at the right time for what you're trying to accomplish a mastermind doesn't accomplish the steady eddy accountability over a long period of time but a forum group does but again that forum group has to be made up of the different type of skill sets that are your weakness not your strength
1: yeah and it's funny you use the word forum are you familiar with what eo is or ypo okay yeah
0: all of them i was in y-e-o when there was a y (laughs) and and then i went to ypo and then wpo and strategic (laughs) Alliance and tech i mean i've been part of all of them
1: oh gotcha Um, okay all right and and
0: they're all good for where you're at see you have to first ask yourself what am i needing right now and based on what you need is then the group that works for you for this moment but there's no one decision that's going to scale you across 30 years it's a different combination It's no different than raising a child. You know, what they need when they're a toddler isn't what they need when they're a tween, and so on and so forth. That's how business is. Well, if you're new to business and you're new to networking, then you need entry-level skill sets. And then as you grow, you're going to have to contribute into continual learning, continual accountability uh, tools. It's just part of growing
1: up. Yeah, no, that's actually very well put. And that's that's such a good point that- Even myself, you you overlook that. Let me ask you this. There have been so many interesting people that have come into your life. Has anyone in particular given you the best advice, like one thing in particular that has really kind of etched itself into you?
0: There's been a lot of those, but I will tell you that for sure, the person who really just like handed my ass to me basically, right, was Oprah Winfrey. I was really, really blessed to have her influence and her wisdom in my life. And she really drilled for me that when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm -hmm. And that is a very hard thing for my type of personality to wrap my brain around. Because I, Yeah. yeah, so I see the best in people. That's just who I am. I want to believe in the best. I see you at your highest and best. But that doesn't mean you'll strive for it. And so there's a lot of little information nuggets of when people start an exchange of trying to feel out who each other are that are very clear indicators of who that person chooses to be and how they show up. And I like to ignore them and hope that they're going to get better. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who said to me, Amelia, when people show you this is who they are, you have to just accept that's who they are and not to project, which is also called transference, my hope and expectations of who you are, because it, it's irrelevant. It's who you choose to be that matters. And I have to be able to just take you for exactly where I find you. No more, no less.
1: Wow and you cut these people out of your life or just acknowledge who they are, what they are, and it just is what it is?
0: It is a matter of it is what it is. Who you are and what choices you're making in your life, all I can do is respect you that that's the decision that you made. I have no power on your side of the fence. I can see it. I can acknowledge it. I can witness it, but I have no impact. You have to make the choices for you. And the choices that you're making for you have no reflection of what's going on on this side. What I can do is I can choose to move closer to it or I can move to move farther away from it. That's the only two choices I have. And so those terminologies that you start to learn, which we call releasing, right? Is to be able to say, okay, I witness what's going on and it doesn't work for me right now. I celebrate what you're doing, have at it, happy for you doesn't work for me. I'm not judging. I'm just moving away from something because at this point in my life, it doesn't align with what I'm trying to achieve. Wow.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot. And that's, I believe in that. I really do. Sometimes it's disappointing, but I think it will help you to be able to move forward with the relationship that you're engaged with by acknowledging that and just being aware.
0: Well, and what it also does is it frees you not to carry other people's luggage, right?
1: Ooh, that's a good point.
0: I I don't need to carry all of that and fix it and change it, whatever. It's not on my side. And so when I pick up your luggage, I rob you from the opportunity to make the choice to put down what's weighing heavy on you. It's not mine to carry. Hmm.
1: All right. One of my favorite parts of the show... Is just having, I've got lists of questions here. I'm gonna throw out a number. I want you to give me Hard a number. Part of the show. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, give me a number between one and 16. Eight. Eight. Any reason for eight? You were ready for that.
0: Uh, universal eight, and eight on the side is infinity.
1: Okay. I, I'm a big fan of that too. What makes you forget to eat lunch?
0: Oh, everything makes me forget to eat lunch. <laughs> I think it's because I'm so all in engaged with every given moment that I forget my hierarchy of needs. So I actually have a timer on my phone for every four hours to snack.
1: I really wish there was something that made me forget to eat lunch and dinner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these extra pounds that I've been putting on over here thanks to Corona. I'm going to get a tattoo with the stretch marks over. It works the other way too.
0: So if the, if the alarm doesn't go off, then you shouldn't be putting anything in your mouth. Oh
1: gosh. I don't know about that. That alarm would break <laughs> real quick. <laughs> uh, okay, ready. 17 to 59.
0: 33.
1: 33. This is actually one of my favorite questions just in general. And it's a question oh. that I help people When they're meeting people and it's a good question, just like an, as an icebreaker. And then just selfishly, I actually, um, I just want to (laughs) know. So
0: 33 is a master number. Just so you
1: know, what do you mean by that?
0: It's a universal master number. 33 and 11 are master numbers. It's one of those little fun facts from numerology. So that's part of the reason why you like 33.
1: Oh, uh-huh, that's interesting. And you yeah. and I, we could talk numerology. I know that that you were uh, well-versed yeah. in this it. as well. Yeah, I all
0: that fun stuff, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so 33 is, what is your favorite place to get a great slice of pizza? Again, you're oh. seeing a food theme here, by the way.
0: I love pizza. Like, I love everything about pizza. The smell. Everything about pizza. So I think there's a couple of it. So if I want, like, I want to eat the whole pie would probably be the coal-fired pizza at Joe's in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also like the out in Long Island called Sereno's, which is in Massapequa Park, and he has a little, tiny, like, little brick oven in there that's only personalized pizza. But boy, I'll eat pizza anywhere in New York. Like, don't even try it in California. It's, yeah, it's horrible. But in New York, I'll take a slice any time at all, especially if it's like 2 a.m.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's really ironic. My next phone call, when you and I wrap up, actually, is actually speaking with someone that lives in Massapequa Park. So I'm going to ask her if she's familiar. I'm writing it down Sorrento's. Yeah,
0: it's, it's right next to um, station there. They, no, A and J's pork store. The pork store. It's right next to it. A little tiny hole in the wall, and it's so good. It's, if you go on Yelp, it's got it's got like a gazillion and one five star reviews. Five star, five star, five star, five star. Uh,
1: one of the reasons I was so bummed that we weren't able to do this in person and having to do this over Zoom is I was going to introduce you to uh, the Tenth Street Pizza Mario's uh, new place oh, that's actually just been crushing I'm it. Yeah. Dying. I'm yeah. dying
0: to have one of those. Yes, yeah. everybody talks about it over there, like right? Hoboken, right? Yeah. Uh, it's on my, I love pizza. Pizza is one of, you can't eat a slice of pizza and be in a bad mood. It's not that's possible.
1: That's why, possible. that's why that's one of my top questions I tell people. There's, a, well, I mean, who doesn't like pizza?
0: That's right. Mm, yum.
1: <laughs> okay. My last question before I let you go. And this is, uh, uh, we're going to do a different uh, one, one to 15. Give me, or one to 14, rather. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: 13
1: lucky number 13. 13. I never heard that that's the Italian lucky number
0: mm-hmm. 13 okay. Italians, yep. okay
1: all right we'll, we'll roll with it what do people know about you that you don't even know about you this is kind of getting back to and it's very in line with the whole self-awareness
0: what do people know about what,
1: what do you think me? it is that people know about you that you maybe I should rephrase it differently it's more about observation You know, maybe again, getting back to the self awareness, what is it that people you think are taking from you? That what are you not necessarily aware of? That maybe you're hearing that you don't think about yourself. You know, because like you said, you're very direct and nuts and bolts, but uh, you do have an incredible warmth to you. So that is sincere. So maybe when you are in the boardroom, or maybe when you are presenting, or when you are TV, you know that you have that. You know, you're you are to the point. You're very direct and an excellent communicator in that capacity, but you do have this warmth. I don't know if that's the right example. Yeah, I, but... mean, I,
0: I tell people that I'm probably the most authentic person they will ever meet. What you see is what you get. But I think what people perceive about me that I hear is that they think I'm like unbelievably confident. And it makes me giggle because I'm riddled full of insecurities just like everybody else. And so in my personal life you know when people are really really close to me they'll see that like oh my god you know i'm freaking out about like doing this podcast or i'm freaking out about going on stage or i'm freaking out about whatever and the people like oh my god but you just do it all the time and i'm like that doesn't mean i don't have insecurities about it (laughs) i mean i do the things that are uncomfortable because it's part of who i am but that doesn't mean i don't have the knee-jerk reaction that everybody else does. So I think that when I think about what people perceive and what people assume that isn't in alignment is I'm not as confident as people think I'm not as unemotional as people may perceive, you know, like I said, I'm extremely sincere. I'm extremely authentic. I care probably too much along the way. And I take everything of what I do and its impact with great responsibility. So maybe that answers the question.
1: Yeah, it does. That's a great share too. I really appreciate that. Again, that sincere, that authentic in the spirit of who you are and just that level of vulnerability. I got to tell you, Amelia, this is uh, I knew that you would live up to the expectation of this podcast. Oh, one other thing before we go, there's something that you're doing. That's really, I think is just fantastic. Do you mind just talking about when, during this whole recent, the COVID, there's some stuff that you're doing that you're a part of that I think is just again, also in the spirit of your niceness, your benevolence, that uh, I'd like for you to share with the audience?
0: Sure. So the biggest question we've been getting and a lot of the stuff we've been doing is for leaders, and again, it doesn't matter if they've got two teammates or if they've got 200,000 teammates, is how do we onboard back? Like, how do we come back for this? So it's Monday morning. We're all allowed to kind of leave our homes and go back to work. So what happens? right? To be pretend this didn't happen. We don't acknowledge it. We do acknowledge it. People just go back to the old job description. Life changed permanently for all of us. And it also has a huge impact on how business and those relationships will move forward from here. And there is not currently a new onboarding process. And so we took a jump um, to use all of our people, purpose, and performance tax matrix and put it together for, um, executives and leaders. Um, and we've put it through, uh, 500,000 to date in a very short period of time. And I was like, listen, if there's somebody in your audience that would like to go through the process to be able to help align your people back in a healthy and more meaningful way and align them with The work product, which is more of a scalability and a healthier development process. The Genius Institute, the Genius Key, we would like to do that. We'd like to give somebody it, gift it for free, just to expose the community to there are options on coming out of this particular universal reset stronger, better, healthier, and with a bigger impact in our individual industries, even though it may seem like right now that we won't recover, the reality is we're going to thrive better than ever before utilizing the tools that are here in today's marketplace.
1: And and I can attest to how much fun and how amazingly accurate that the Genius Key, you were kind enough to uh, run me through that, gosh, that was already last summer. And I thought that that was fantastic. It was really accurate and you know, very precise feedback
0: so, yeah and we've come such a long way since then as it specifically relates to companies and companies who are trying to develop their people to their highest and best self right and so we really have done a lot of work and just happened to be now that's the biggest question out there how do we come back from this how do we bring back our people are people coming back into the offices are they remaining online What about the other impacts that are happening with families and choices that people are making? And it just is a tool for people to be able to get more crystal clear on what it is that they really, truly want and then how to make the steps so that they manifest.
1: Wow, that sounds fantastic. And that's really benevolent of you to offer that. I'm going to encourage everybody to check that out. And uh, Amelia, if you'd be kind enough to forward some information over uh, to me so we can put that in, in the show notes.
0: I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. And your show is absolutely amazing. I mean, I've been listening you've come in such a long way. It's so your each one of the episodes are just so intriguing to me. And so I'm so happy of the work that you're doing.
1: Uh, that's great. Well, it's people like you that make it happen. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. I want you to make it a great day. Thanks for listening to conversations with Connors, a network wise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network, the ones who succeed will network wise.